Hey there, this is Gregory Williams, and I'm the senior pastor of Transform Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope the following presentation really inspires you to deepen your faith walk and encourages you along your journey. Enjoy the message. You know, a little while ago, I went and saw a great production called The Lion King. I don't know if any of you have seen it. It's awesome, bro. Oh. Awesome, yeah, it's, it's an awesome production. And I was thinking about the time it must take for all of those people to put all those things together, the set, you know, the training, the costumes, the singing, all of the lines and all those things. And I'm thinking that the guys who say their lines, they must have someone to coach them, right? To give them insight, help them, mentor them, talk to them about how their lines are going when they miss lines. Say, hey, you guys missed lines. Do we miss lines? I miss lines all the time, right? Especially the lines that come from the Word of God you know, the promises of God, we mess up, we forget our lines. And I think we all need some insight into that. Amen? And so when you look into the words of Jesus, I think we need to be saturated and marinated into the word of God. Rather than getting insight from the world and wisdom from the world, I think our wisdom and our insight needs to come from the word of God. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. We're going to do this all day. All right? Amen? Okay, all right. So we get insight from the Word of God. How does Jesus ask us to respond? How does He ask us to react or respond in a world that is constantly pressuring us to be and act in a certain way? And what the world asks us to behave is, is totally different from what the Bible asks us to behave. You know, in fact, Jesus says that we need to follow His commands, follow His instructions, follow what He asks us to do, rather than follow what the world tells us to do. In our culture, we need to always be aware and cognizant and attentive to the influences that come from outside. And our influences need to come from the Word of God. And I think Jesus' words are so important. In fact, in John 16, 33, he says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. No, no holding back there. In this world, you will have trouble. That's what he says. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Isn't that amazing? Amen? Amen. 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 And when you take a look at the words of Jesus, he says, I've overcome the world. And it's so important to realize that we are in Christ. And when we are in Christ, we have overcome the world in Him. Only in Him are we able to overcome the world. Outside of Him, we're influenced, oppressed, bombarded by all the influences in the world. And when you look at those concepts, when you look at those ideas, we think, when I was talking about the Lion King, and they have coaching to mentor them and help them in their lines. When we forget our lines, wouldn't it be great if we had a coach? Wouldn't it be great if we had a mentor? Then when we don't know what to say when we're in a stressful situation, when we're in a difficult situation, we have our mentor or our coach there saying, hey, this is what you should say. Isn't that, wouldn't that be awesome? Well, we actually do have a coach. We do have a mentor. He's called the Holy Spirit. And he is with you wherever you go and whatever you do. And that's a comforting thought. Amen? Amen. Good job. <laughs> it's so comforting to know that we have this coach with us that will influence us or guide us or inform us or instruct us or really teach us how to behave in a world. And that coach will tell us, you know, when we're going through a difficult situation, when someone hurts us, to forgive. When we don't know what to do or where to turn to and how to act, he says, have grace. When we go through turmoil, he says, have peace. Wherever you go, the Holy Spirit is with you. 
And this is the picture of what the Spirit does. He is constantly with us, coaching us, mentoring us, and guiding us. The Spirit and those mentors don't push those actors to say, hey, it's my time to shine. You guys might be performing, but I'm going to come out at the end of the show and tell them at all that I'm the coach, that I'm the mentor, and you guys are just doing what I say. The Spirit is not like that either. He's behind the scenes. And it's so integral to the show that the coaches and the mentors help the people, but you never see them. And the same way the Spirit of God helps us and guides us and inspires us, but you can't visibly see Him. But He's constantly there in our lives, helping, guiding, instructing, and doing these things. How do we live in a culture that prompts us to be going to places in a hurry? That prompts everything to be fast. We need to do this quickly, we need to do that quickly. We have to realize that we have to nurture the Spirit of God. We have to cultivate patience in a culture that says the opposite. In a culture that tells you to worry, we need to have patience. Every time we have a choice, there's tension when we make choices, right? The Spirit of God tells us to walk in the Spirit, but we want to do things our way. We want to have, make our own choices. We want to have our own opinions. And when we do that, contrary to the Spirit of God, there's a tension, there's a turmoil, there's a warring in our spirits. Because we know we should be doing this, but we choose to do something else. It's hard sometimes to choose to do what God asks us to do, especially when we have our own thoughts, our own ideas. Today, what I want you to talk to you about is how do we learn to be the kind of people who nurture patience in a culture of efficiency and fastness? We want to do things fast, right? We want faster Wi-Fi. Who wants faster Wi-Fi? You want the sermon to go fast so you can go home. Bad news there for you. I want faster things. You know, I want delivery the next day. You want delivery the next day. Not two days or three days or seven days, but you want to pay seven-day prices for next-day delivery, right? We want everything fast. It needs to be done now. We want microwave food. We want fast food. We want healthy fast food. We want all these things quickly. But God isn't into microwaving. God is into marinating. He wants us to sit. He wants us to digest. He wants us to be submerged and marinated in His Word of God, to rest in His promises. And whenever we're prompted to go faster, whenever we want to get things done, we struggle. We struggle because we're not made to be at a constant 100 kilometers an hour all the time. We're made to rest. We're made to relax. We're made to stop once in a while. I had this experience, you know, it frustrates me when things don't go your way, right? I, I, this is an amazing thing that happens to me all the time, and I can never get out of it. I don't know why. I go to the grocery store, you know, and I love fruit. So I grab the little plastic roll thing right there, the bag from there, and I try to open it, but it does not work, right? It's the most frustrating thing. And other people, women come along, and other men, they like go flip, put the fruit in, and walk off, and I'm still there going. And people say, rub it together, and I'm rubbing. They say, blow it, and I'm... Still doesn't work. So you go get the engine, pull it apart. I'm looking for them. It never works. And I'm standing there forever while everyone else is getting all their fruit. It's frustrating as heck. You know, and it's a simple thing, but it frustrates me just standing there watching other people just walk by. But the Spirit of God wants us to go deeper into Him. When we get to periods of frustration, what God is actually telling us to do is to be deeper in Him. When we go deeper in Him, we have this profound experience of His promises coming to life in our lives. Deeper in him, rooted in him. The scripture wants to teach us today, if we have a Bible, turn to Proverbs 14. So Proverbs 14. Let's look at this word patience. And what it really means from a biblical perspective. 
So Proverbs 14, 29 says this. And if you're taking notes, I want to make sure you write this scripture down. So 29, verse 29 of Proverbs 14 says this. Whoever is patient has great understanding, right? But one who is quick-tempered displays folly. Let me repeat that again. Whoever is patient has great understanding, but whoever, one who is quick-tempered displays folly. See, the book of Proverbs, the author tries, says that there's two types of people. One, a wise person who understands things, and one, a fool. Folly, foolishness, stupid things. In fact, he says, you could either choose the way of wisdom, the way of knowledge, or you could choose the way of foolishness or folly. We, we face choices every day. All of us choose whether what, what we want to do. And this person is saying, the author is trying to say, this person is a person who is patient, who has learned the deep understanding of how to work and rest in this world and wait the way the world is supposed to be. For everyone who is quick-tempered, what they do is bind themselves in folly, allow themselves to rest in foolishness, speaking out of things, saying things that are just coming out of their mouth. It's verbal diarrhea, you know? It doesn't smell good, it doesn't hear, sound good, but it just keeps coming out. They're like, just stop. And so often we just react. But what the Bible informs us is that we need to respond in a biblical way. We need to respond from the Word of God. We need to respond in biblical character. Moral, sound character. And not just react whatever comes to our mind. And when you look at this word patient in the original language, it means long-tempered, which means slow to anger. We all know people who have a short fuse, right? Sometimes they're probably sitting next to us right now. They just blow up. Anything upsets them, they let you know. When I think about it, when they test bombs, you know, what they do is like they say, okay, everyone, we're going to let this thing go off. What we want you to do is find shelter, find somewhere you can hide or behind the barrier, and then we're going to do a countdown. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, boom. And everyone is behind shelter and protected. There's no harm. There's no injury caused to them. When I think about that, I think about how, how many countdowns or what our countdown is. When we are ready to explode, do we have a 10-second countdown or do we just go, 10, boom! And the people around us get injured because we throw bombs into our families, into our communities, into our workplaces, and we explode. And people around us get injured and harmed by the words and what we say. How long is your countdown? Is it up to one or is it after one second that we explode? When we explode, people around us get hurt. And usually the people that are closest and love us the most are hurt the most. Because they're within range of our explosion. So let me ask you again. When you explode, who gets injured? When I think about this and realize what the Spirit of God is asking us to do, in fact, Proverbs says, be long-tempered, be slow to anchor. Are we short-tempered or are we long-tempered? Are we slow to anger? Is there explosions in our life that injure, harm, and damage people around us because of our words and because of our reactions? What the Spirit is trying to say is that deep within us, there's a place that God has given us, that we've been designed to habitate, that the Spirit of God 
wants to instruct us and guide us. But sometimes it's hard. It's hard because everything in our culture says go faster, do it, do it quicker, do everything at the speed of light. And today I want to teach you three pressing types of patience. So if you're writing down three types of patience that I want to talk about this morning, that every Christ follower should embody, or the characteristic should be emulated as a Christian. Three types of patience. Number one is everyday patience, right? Everyday patience. If you want to look at that, look at James 5. The brother of Jesus says in these words in 5 verse 7, he says, Be patient, be long-tempered. Then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming, be patient. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. And what James is trying to say is that he uses this agricultural term. He says, observe the farmer, watch the farmer, take close note of what a farmer does. You know, when he's ready to do his sowing, what he first must do is he has to take out all the weeds. He has to clear the land. After he clears the land, then he's ready to till, which means he breaks up the soil, preparing it for the seed. Then he goes ahead and and plants the seed. And then... He has to have patience because he has to wait for the rain. He has no control of how fast the seeds grow. In our current world, we throw chemicals, we throw a whole bunch of things to make it grow fast so we can get it together. But what it's doing is harming our body, harming our lives. But James says, observe the farmer. He has to wait, he has to pray. He's praying for the autumn rains, the spring rains, and the Bible says the former and the latter rain. And then... The plant has to grow. And when it grows, when it comes to full maturity, only then can you reap. It's a sign of patience. Wait patiently, knowing that your reward is at hand. Wait patiently, because if you wait, you will reap a harvest. It's the same thing with us. If we are patient, God will give us a great supply of His divine patience. It's interesting that we try to microwave things. We want it fast. We want it now. But God is into marinating, as I said. Our character cannot be microwaved. Our character, the molding of our character, the molding of our Christ-like character, takes time. And God is waiting for an abundant harvest that comes from our life if we're patient. James says, we've got to live like that. We've got to stand firm. We've got to know that there's a season for everything and we have to wait patiently for the the fruit to come. And so he says, we have to live like that, being patient, having that kind of mentality, having everyday patience because Christ is coming near. Near in our lives, near in our families, near in our community. But the reality is that something happens when we try to live in this culture of fast. We live our lives trying to go from point A to B as fast as humanly possible. I know people who once they go to a destination that takes them 20 minutes, the next time they go there, they want to break that record. I'm going to make it in 18 minutes. And then I'm trying to bring it down as fast as they can. In fact, I had an experience recently. Well, it's a little while ago now, a couple of months. Chanel, as you know, was leaving to go to Canada, and she still hadn't got her passport. There was some mix-up, and the passport didn't arrive in time. So we called the embassy, and they said, well, you need to come to Canberra to pick up 
the temporary passport. So I'm like, she's leaving the next day, right? And we still don't have any passport. So like, okay, we're going to get this thing done. We're going to make it there, and we're going to make it back on time. So we get up at 2 in the morning, you know, and then some people were over at the night, and so by the time we went to bed, it was 12 o'clock, so we got two hours sleep. And we're like, okay, we're going to drive there as fast as we can. And so obviously there's a posted speed limit, but I'm trying to discover where the cameras are so I can speed. Don't do that, it's illegal. <laughs> so anyway, we get to Canberra at like 12 o'clock in the afternoon because we need a couple of stops, have some breakfast and stuff like that. And we're like, 12.30, we're ready to leave because we have to come back to Melbourne and get ready for our flight the next day. So again, we're like flying down the highway, trying to get back as fast as possible. And it was a Wednesday, and I had to get back for Bible study at 7 o'clock. It's like, oh, this is going to be I'm calling people. Oh, we can't, we can't be there. We can't do Bible study today. We have work. We have these things. Like, she was like, we have to do this. And I'm like, we have to be there on time. So anyway, we arrive at church. Bible study starts at 7.30. We get here at 7.24, I think it was. It's like, whew. So I did Bible study. I was exhausted. Physically and mentally exhausted. Because we're not built to be like that. So we go to bed, and the flight's early the next morning. So I'm like trying to figure out that my alarm won't, won't go. I won't sleep through my alarm, so I want to make up on time. So the alarm goes off. I jump out of bed, like, ready to go. Mentalist, passport there. Yes, luggage ready, ticket ready. Okay, let's get in the car. Let's go. Right? How many of us wake up in the morning, every morning, and have a mental list? This has to get done, I have to do this, I have to do that, I have to do this. Before thinking about anything else, we have a list in our minds of what we need to get done. We're living in this culture that promotes working hard, promotes staying longer at work. If you stay longer at work, you're a great employee. Stay extra long. We don't pay you, but we just want to see how you appreciate this job, and we love you. Stay longer. But what about your soul? What about your life? What about your family? What about what's happening in your family? We live in this culture that says, do it faster. That rewards you for getting things done faster. And so from the time that you're young, you're told your efficiency is measured on how fast you get things done. And so when we come to the Word of God, and the Word of God trains us and tries to teach us something else, we struggle with this because we've been taught from a young age that this is how the world works. But here comes Jesus, and he changes the pattern. He changes the record. He's like, this is not how it works. This is how it works. And then we struggle. You create this list that you have to get done. Something happens sometimes and you can't get it done. You freak out. You react. You explode. You do all these things. It's interesting to me that people who struggle with patience have an unhealthy relationship with time. People who struggle with patience have an unhealthy relationship with time. What I mean by that is nothing wrong with having a watch, there's nothing wrong keeping a schedule, there's nothing wrong trying to get to your appointments or whatever it is on time. But what happens when you run longer? What happens when your meeting runs off? What happens when you sleep in? What happens when things don't go right? What happens when you get home and there's pressure from work because you have to stay longer? Do you explode? The reality is that God has given us time to help us manage things, but time should not control us. We should be in charge of our time. And when time controls us, we don't function well. We explode, we react, we say and do things we shouldn't be doing. The way we talk about time is, is like a commodity. We can't waste time. We have to invest our time. Time is money. And we're, time controls our lives. But what Jesus is trying to, to contrast with that is that 
He provides for our life. He supplies our life. Even the way we, we deal with things is, is fascinating. And many of us struggle with impatience because we have an unhealthy relationship with time. Time is a form of measurement, and when you let time control you, you're out of sync and you react. When is, when is it a struggle for you? When is it a time where you feel pressured into something that you shouldn't be doing? You know, God looks at us and has designed us to function in His model. And when we function outside of that model, we have issues. God does not have a problem with you resting. God does not have a problem with you relaxing. God does not have issues when you pause and say, I'm just going to take a break. In fact, he encourages us to do that because right at creation, on the seventh day, he rested. Not because he had to, not because he was tired, but because he chose to. The development of our character can be a prime example of how time has to pass before we become fruitful. So everyday patience deals with people in particular, you and me in particular. And we all need everyday patience to deal with ourselves. But there's a second kind of pressing of patience, and this is enduring patience. If you're writing notes, number two, enduring patience. James writes, he says, there's some of us who are going through seasons of suffering. Maybe you find yourself there today. It's a medical report, it's a cloud of depression hanging over you. Someone has said something, someone has declared something in your life, you have all of this thing, you've lost a loved one, you're going through a difficult situation of someone else going through pain and sickness, and there's people living in different situations all around you. You find yourself in this place where life has delivered pain to your doorstep. What do you do? Everyday patience deals with people, but enduring patience make you, makes you wrestle with God. Makes you wrestle with the way the world works, the way that life works, and sometimes we don't understand it. We don't understand why there's pain and God in the same world if God is good, and we can't comprehend it. We struggle with those questions. There's nothing wrong with struggling. There's nothing wrong with asking God. In fact, He encouraged us to do. But when the storm comes, when, when the pressure comes, do we just fall over? Do we just sink? Do we just abandon hope and run away? What do we do? How do we react? And what the Bible is trying to tell us this that if we need to have deep roots rooted deeply into the ground, into Christ, so when the storm comes, it doesn't blow us over, it doesn't destroy us, because we're rooted in Christ. In fact, James says, remember Job. Remember what Job went through. Remember what he suffered and how he went through it. And for those of you going through suffering right now, I want to encourage you, Job went through it. Use Brother Job as your example. He went through tremendous suffering, tremendous pain, but he, I want you to see, that's what James says, I want you to see how he persevered. He persevered. He trusted in God and he persevered. The word perseverance means to have such deep, deep roots. And it might not be, you might not be able to endure the storm if your roots are not deep. It's to be able to endure in the face of the storm, in the midst of a crisis, to stay put and not go anywhere. That's what perseverance means. It's this imagery, it's this image of a captain going down to his lieutenant or his, his corporal and saying, soldier, we're on this battlefield. The enemy is 
taken ground, but this is where we stop. I want you to hold this ground. I want you to stand firm and do not let anything get by you. You and other soldiers, you need to stand. And it's that soldier resolving in himself to say, I'm going to stand this ground. I'm going to be rooted here. I'm going to be planted here. I'm not going to be moved in spite of the enemy coming at me. I'm going to hold my ground. That's perseverance. That's the image of perseverance. That's what it means to be stand or stood and planted and rooted deeply in Jesus Christ. Nothing is going to get by me. Nothing is going to take me out. Not suffering, not pain. Nothing is going to get past me because I'm rooted in Jesus Christ. And what you find is that you have these deep, deep roots, that you're deeply connected to people and to God. That you look into the Bible, you see these examples and you applaud these people like Job. You find yourself really closely connected with God. If you have your roots, it's where you draw your resolve from. If you have deep roots, it's where you draw your resilience from the storm. Then James sort of flips it. He talks about this and then he changes it and he says, Do you know someone who has deeply endured patience? He says, I want to show you someone who has enduring patience. Do you know who that was? It was Jesus. Someone who was mocked, betrayed, doubted, beaten on, spit on, and killed. And at any moment he could have walked away and said, I don't deserve this. I didn't do anything wrong. But when he was on that cross, that's patience. In the face of tremendous pressure and the storm of his life, he did not say, I can't do this. Yes, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, if this, could, if this could be possible, it could pass away. But he never said, I can't do this. He took it. He took it, the pain, the punishment. He did it all with people mocking him. A thief on the left, doubting him and cursing him. And one on the right, asking him profound questions about life. And people standing at his feet, Cursing him. And tremendous patience enough to say, God, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. How do we react when people pressure us? Do we have the same resilience? Do we have the same deep roots that we can weather the storm? Sometimes I find myself thinking and saying, that tremendous sacrifice that Jesus paid... It felt, he felt the pain. Yes, he was God, but he was also man. He felt the pain of those nails. He felt the pain of his back being beaten and ripped to shreds. He felt the pain of those suffering, those thorns on his head. He felt the pain, but yet he stood strong because he had you and me on his mind. And I think, how did you react, Jesus? How can I react when people mock me? How can you react when people mock you? It's easy when you're Jesus, right? But he's a man. And he felt all of it. And so I find myself saying, Lord, and the same thing with the Spirit of God, teach me, teach me how to react. Teach me how I should respond when people hurt me, when I'm going through pain and suffering, when the world does not make sense and nothing seems right. Help me understand. Help me see it through your eyes. Help me have profound enduring patience even in the face of the storm nothing of this world but Christ and you will have enduring patience 
Whenever you're in the face of that, you will see your roots go deeper and deeper. And do you know what you'll be attached to? You'll be attached to Christ. So everyday patience is dealing with ourselves. Enduring patience is dealing with life and the questions we ask. And there's another kind. And it feels a bit weird actually to talk about this because there's some things in our life, in our story, that is unacceptable to have patience for. There's some things that happen that are so broken, so fractured, not as God intended them to be, that if we stay on the sidelines and pray, give me more patience, it's actually heresy. It's completely wrong. And I could say a number of things that, stuff like that, people who are suffering, people who are in deep, deep pain, people who have been pushed to the fringe, people who have been neglected, people who have been abused, people who have been pushed and mistreated because of the color of their skin, all these things are unacceptable. And we should not sit on the sidelines and let it happen. We should stand up for injustice and it should offend us because we have the Spirit of God. And we don't have time to be patient in that area. We need to have... And not say, look, I'm just going to sit here and just let it go by. I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to see what God says about it. We should have everyday patience, yes. We should have enduring patience, yes. And I want to tell you the third one is a form of patience that we need to have and that's engaging impatience. Engaging impatience. Engaging impatience is holy discontent. Would God accept that? Would God approve of that? Would God sit on the sidelines and let people be abused and battered and neglected and treated, mistreated? He would not. And neither should we. You've put this in our heart. You've put a sense of justice in our heart, a sense where we should not just sit idly on the sidelines and let things happen all around us. And it could be as close as our neighbor. It, should be, it could be in our schools where you take your kids in our places, in our shopping centers and it's totally unacceptable and it's wrong and we should stand up for things that are unjust. Do you have those in your life? Do you have areas that stir your heart? Do you have areas where you get upset? Maybe you're watching TV and they're talking about different things but one story gets you upset. And you're like, that's not right. But do we just sit on the couch and let it happen? Do we let... Injustice pass us by and do nothing about it? What stirs your heart? What causes you to be wholly discontent? What causes you to be upset? It's what God put there because you have a sense of justice and God is just. What upsets me is poverty. I said last week, I think it was, where I said, Mother Teresa said, if you can't help everyone, help one. And maybe we look at the world and say, there's so much poverty, there's so much injustice. It's just too overwhelming. What can I do? Well, maybe you can't change everyone, but you can change one person. Maybe you can help one person. Maybe you can help one person out of the cycle of poverty. And that's what we do. Help one person out of poverty will change a lifetime. The generations after will be broken from that cycle of poverty because you help one person. You can't change the world, but you might be able to change one person. In fact, I want to challenge your thinking and say, yes, maybe working together one-on-one, we can change the world. We can stand up for injustice. This is a place of hope. Transform Church and every other church across the face of the earth is a place where people can come and be loved and accepted and embraced. And it should be so. And we should be the representatives of God's injustice or God's justice when there's injustice. We should stand up for righteousness. We should not let it pass by. And so engaging in patience is what we need in our lives. Sometimes I find myself saying, I don't know if I can sit by the sidelines. And maybe you have too. 
Maybe something has caused you to be upset in your spirit, but you've neglected to do anything about it. I want to challenge your thinking today and tell you, do something about it. Maybe you need to do a little bit of research. Maybe you need to find out what's happening in your neighborhood, in your schools around you. That's unright. That's unjust. And stand up for it. There's this engaging of impatience. And I think God in you has put you things, put things in your life that are just not right. And he says, please don't stand on the sidelines. Engage with impatience. Engage with impatience. Stand up for righteousness. You can watch heaven invade earth. You can see people transform. You can see lives changed if you engage. And sometimes it has to make us step out of our comfort zone. We don't want to talk to someone. We don't want to engage with someone. But we need to because this thing's not right in this world. And we were called by the name of Jesus who have our, his anointing on our life. We need to stand up for things that are not right. So can I ask you, how are you doing with this? Do you have patience? Do you have everyday patience? Do you have unhealthy relationships that are caused because of your lack of patience? Do you have a short temper, a short fuse? Do family and co-workers dance around you and walk away from you and don't want to be around you? What would it look like if you engaged with patience? Maybe for some of you today, you're watching or you're listening and you need a little bit more everyday patience. Because some form of pain has showed up in your life and you've reacted. I need you to know Jesus sees you. I need you to know that Jesus walked with pain, with people mocking him and, and talking about him and neglecting him and, and cursing him. But he still displayed everyday patience. Maybe you need enduring patience. And you say, maybe I've suffered. And that's right, you, maybe you have suffered. And this, that's wrong. And it shouldn't have been done. But here's the thing, you've gone from suffering into a lesson. You have wisdom of what happened that you can help someone else with. You can speak life into someone else. You can sit by them and say, hey, I went through this too. And I'm going to tell you that God brought me through and I know he can bring you through. Are your roots deep in Christ? Are your roots so deep that you're pulling nourishment from him? Patience out of him. Maybe we need to look in the mirror and say, God, we need a little bit more patience. We need to live in harmony with our friends and our families. We need to live in connection, engaging fruitfully and not impatiently. And Maybe you've been sitting for the si at the sideline for years and maybe you've watched injustice pass you by. You've not had the courage to step up. But I want to tell you that God has given us tremendous power because reality is this. The Bible says that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now lives in you and me. That's tremendous power. Power to change things. Power to change the world. Power to change circumstances. We have this power and we, we've locked up this power. We've clothed this power. We've shut it down in, in, in our houses. We've locked it up in our kitchens and we don't want to share. We don't want to talk. We don't want to stand. But I want to challenge you. Challenge your thinking. Challenge the way you live. Challenge how you view the world. We all need everyday patience. We all need enduring patience. And we all definitely need engaging in patience. How do we nurture patience? In a culture of fast, how do we nurture patience? I want to share three things and then we'll be done. Three simple things. Not 
hard things, three very simple, practical things that you can do in your life right now. Number one, suffering. Any of you tasted suffering? All of you tasted pain? All of you went through certain situations? You can live out patience, as I said before. You can engage with someone who's going through a difficult time and help them through difficult situations because of your experience. You have a lesson. You have knowledge. You have wisdom of how you went through, that God brought you through, that you can share with someone. Maybe be a mentor. Find a young person. Maybe go out into our community where there's old people living in isolation and spend a little time with them sharing things. We have to engage. We can't sit. Jesus came because he wanted to engage. So suffering can bring great fruit. And oftentimes it's viewed in the Christian world as if you suffer that God is not with you. We talked about that on Wednesday and I want to tell you that's completely opposite. That's not true at all. It's you suffer because God is there with you. In fact, the Bible says that Jesus learned obedience through suffering. Suffering is part of what happens in our lives, but God turns tables. God changes it to bring out something good. In fact, the Bible says in Romans 8, all things work together for good to them that love God. Not everything is good, but all things work for good. God changes it around for good. Number two, pause. Pause between your meetings. Pause between your life, your busy schedule, going from A to B, running around all day. Pause. Take two minutes out of your day and just pause. You know, there's this wonderful word in Psalms that we read over when we read the psalm, and it's the word Sheila. S-E-L-A-H. We don't read that word. But what it means is that when the musicians are singing, when they're singing the song, they're playing this instrument, the singers, when they get to this pause, they pause and they reflect on the words. Maybe we need to pause in our lives. Take two minutes out before your next meeting. Take two minutes out of your busy schedule. Two minutes and pause and reflect on God's goodness. We can do that right now. You don't have to do some sort of program to get that done. You can start doing that right now. On Monday, choose to pause for two minutes between your meetings. Trust me, it won't kill you. Two minutes could save your life. Pause for two minutes and reflect on God's goodness. And number three is something that we all struggle with. We struggle with it tremendously. And it's called solitude. Solitude is number three. We live in a culture that, where we have people constantly around us. Wherever we go, there's people in our houses, in our homes, we have families. And we actually struggle with being alone. It's hard to sit alone and quiet and not do anything. Try it. It's hard in our culture because we've been told and nurtured and taught this way. Solitude is a difficult thing. But I want you to try this. I'm challenging you this week. And make this be a practice every week. In your week, take 15 minutes out, right? In your whole week, take 15 minutes. Can you spare 15 minutes? I think it will change your life. Not everyone said yes, but that's okay. 15 minutes and sit in solitude. No distractions. Turn off your phone. Turn off the TV. Go to a room where no one can call you or distract you, where kids can't bother you. Solitude. Get a journal. Get a Bible. Sit there. Maybe read a verse and let God speak to you. 15 minutes of your life, of your week. If you do that every week, 15 minutes in solitude, just you and God. I guarantee you, 
through that, God will teach us how to view the world. God will teach us how to have patience. God will teach us how to be like Him. To live a life that is not constantly pressured and exhausting, but to live a life of patience. Patience with people around us, patience with life around us, and patience or impatience with injustice around us. Can we do that this week? 15 minutes, two-minute pause, and share your story with someone. Your story can change lives. Because a lot of people are suffering and going through things and they don't even know that other people have gone through. You sharing your story can help someone through a difficult time. So let's try that this week. Amen? Hello again, and thank you so much for listening. I really hope that message has encouraged you. Would you please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review? This really helps others get exposed to this uplifting message. I would also love for you to share this message with a friend or someone you think would be really inspired and blessed by this. Sharing this on social media like Facebook really does help others also get this free content. I'm honored you chose to spend some of your valuable time with us. Have an amazing day.